like button. Also go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can go ahead and get notifications of when new podcasts are available to watch and listen to. And also don't forget to share uh, to your favorite social media accounts that our podcast is here. Also, uh, if you are listening on the uh, on a favorite podcast provider, go ahead and give us a five-star review. We are so excited to have you guys listening tonight to us. Um, tonight, I have, we're going to, um, I have Serena and Trevor with me tonight, and we are going to be discussing Dan's message from this past Sunday. Um, so welcome. I'm so excited that you guys are here. Um, so uh, let's just go ahead and dive right in, if that's okay with you guys. Um, okay, so um, one of the things that Dan um, that kind of stuck out to me in the beginning part of Dan's message on Sunday was when he said, never be afraid of admitting you need a savior. Instead, be afraid of denying that you need a savior. In your opinion, um, what is the difference between denying that you, being afraid of admitting and then also being afraid of denying? Like, what's the difference between those two? Do you have an opinion about those? You got something you want? You can go first if you want to. Okay. Um, the difference I'd say between is like one is completely blind to knowing and understanding like, you know, we are sinners, you know, we we haven't lived up to what God's standard is. You know, we, we don't have that. We aren't saved at that point. If, you know, we don't have a savior, we're not saved at that point. You know, we're still dirt you know like i'm trying to put it in a uh an analogy but you you get what i'm saying and then uh you know not understanding that like you have no idea you're just sitting here like oh i'm fine and that's very commonplace nowadays people are just oh i'm fine i'm just living my life it's just who i am it's what i'm doing you know and then there's the part where uh you know i, I i'm afraid that can you say it? how can you phrase how you phrase it again the first part. The the question? Yeah. How you phrase it again? Oh, what's the difference between um, being afraid of admitting versus being afraid of denying? Yeah. And afraid of admitting, I just, I feel as though being afraid of admitting, it's because you, uh, you don't want to admit that there's something wrong. You know, you're afraid of what's going to be on the other side because you don't know what you're going to have to stop everything you're doing. You know, you're going to have to make change. So having to make change is... The soul, I mean, at one point, I was afraid of admitting that I needed a savior. And I mean, because I was just doing how I was doing. I knew I needed one because everybody had been talking to me about it. They're like, you need this. And I would, you know, I'd say, why, why? You know, and eventually I'd figured it out. And then once I had figured it out, I was like, okay, um, now I'm scared. I don't, I don't quite know what's going on. I don't know what to do. Uh, what's going to happen once I go, okay, Jesus, welcome, you know, welcome into my life. I believe you're my savior, you know. So being afraid of not knowing what's on the other side, I guess. Interesting. What about you, Serena? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I would say like being afraid of admitting that we need a savior is just a lot of like selfishness and pride. Um, and like I'm a very stubborn person personally, so I hate asking for help on anything. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with just like admitting that we need a savior it's hard to admit that we need someone to help us out with something because a lot of times i just want to do it myself and i think a lot of people have that same mindset and they're like oh i don't want to go to god with this even though he already knows the struggles you're going through he already knows everything you're still like oh i don't want to fully humble myself and come before god and be like 
this is what I'm struggling with. It's so much easier to just like push it back in your mind and be like, oh, I'll deal this. I'll deal with this by myself another day and not talk about it. So, yeah, I I can I can share that sentiment because I feel like there's there's some moments, at least in our society or in our culture now where you're strong Mm -hmm. by the amount of burden that you can carry. Yeah. Right. And so like in our, in our society, it's like, well, we can see how strong somebody is that maybe has gone through something and like, man, they were on their own and they worked their tail off and they did all these things and look at the fruit of their labor. But, um, really, yeah. But really the Bible talks about like the strength of a man is not measured in the amount of the burden that they carry. The strength of the man is measured by how often he runs to God and asks God for that help. Right. I mean, that would be in my eyes, at least somebody who is, if, if you are, the strength comes from, through humility, not from pride. Right. Yeah. I definitely would agree with that. I mean, culturally and in our society, it's just, you, I mean, from when I was young, I was taught like, do it all yourself do everything by yourself. It's almost like it's pressured and pushed that way. You know, you shouldn't be doing this with other people. Don't tell people what you're going through. Don't, you know, you don't need anyone else. It's all on you. You're by yourself. You're alone. You got to do this by yourself. And being able to, you know, just learning that over years and years and years, you know, then coming out and saying, there's a savior. Why would I need that now? You know, after having years of I'm doing this by myself. I'm alone. I'm making this happen by myself. You know, self-made man. Why on earth do I need a savior now? You know, so. Yeah. Um, It's interesting, the shifts in the culture that we have seen where, um, and maybe it's, maybe it's even more so since the um, inception of social media and different things like that, how there's far more information that's available um, to us and how many, um, self-help books there are that that teach us how to walk through and you know do all the things all by yourself and all these things and really it's pretty black and white and sometimes in red in the bible that shows us how not to do things by by ourselves which is yeah truly a kingdom because kingdom is the upside down kingdom right that doesn't mm-hmm. do things the way that the world does or the way that the culture says natural. that we should it's yeah not natural it's supernatural yeah yeah, and one of the other points that Dan made was if you were to admit that you were a sinner, it's also admitting that you're flawed. And there is some like some of the perception of if I admit that I have sinned, I'm also admitting that I I have flaws and I'm not perfect. Um and worse yet that at some point you would have to answer or give an account for all the flaws that you have you have right the times that you've fallen short the times that you may have missed the mark um and i'm just curious um is there a situation or a circumstance that you have felt the burden of missing the mark or felt the burden of falling short and if there was what did it look like when god met you in that spot Man, I feel like there's so many, so many things that I could say. Um, I guess just the first thing that's coming to my mind is just like college. Um, I think that, so I've been in school for almost five years. Um, This will be my senior year, but this will be my fifth year. And right out of high school, like everyone knew what they wanted to do. And I was just like, oh man, I I don't know. 
Um, and I was actually going to be a vet tech and I was like, oh, like this is what I'm called to do. Like I love animals. This is going to be great. Um, and I ended up in my first semester and I absolutely hated it. Like it was <laughs> terrible. And I was like, this sucks. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> and I dropped out and I took a gap year. Um, and during that gap year, I just prayed a lot and I was like, God, what do you want me to do? And I thought for sure I was going to do interior design. I was like, I got this. This is this is what I'm called to do. And I tried to get an internship at like or just even a job shadow at this um, building company that my brother worked for. And literally, I just got stood up every time. And I'm like, it's literally just a job shadow. Like, I don't understand how you can't set, you know, an hour aside from your day and just like tour me around. Um and during that time, one of my coworkers came back to work and she was talking to me and she was like, yeah, so like I'm going to school for nonprofit work and I'm going and I'm going to go help all these people at nonprofits and, you know, um, just try and spread like the word of God. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, I didn't know you could do that. And like, meanwhile, during the time I was actually looking up like charity work and I was like, I didn't, I didn't know there was a degree for that. Like, that's so cool. And so I was like, oh, okay, like I'm going to look more into it. And I applied to Grand Valley, got accepted and then like ended up in the program. And it's just crazy how like God's opened up so many doors for me there. Like I'm part of a club. I've gone on mission trips with them. And like it's just crazy that like when I actually leaned into him and leaned into what he was calling me to do, doors actually opened up for me. Whereas, you know, before when I was stuck in myself, I was like, oh, like this is what I'm going to do with my life. And like it was very depressing because obviously everything I wanted to do, nothing was working out. And I, I think I really missed the mark. And during that time too, like it was hard too with the friend group that I was in, in high school, like they were all succeeding in every choice that they picked for college. And here I am like, this sucks. Nothing's going my way. But, um, I think it's cool now because God has opened a lot of doors for me in that way. So say that's a big one. That's awesome. I, I love that story. I love it. Cause really, I mean, it's just a story of like how, you know, we feel that we have missed our mark mm -hmm. that we have created for ourselves, Right. And, right. but who told you that there was a mark to fit, right? right? Almost like the serpent in the garden saying, did God really tell you that? Who told you that that was the mark that you had? Right. Yeah. What about you, Trevor? Do you have a, do you have a thought on that? If you don't, I'm sure I have plenty more. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I I walked through part of what, you know, she was dealing with. So I yeah. can just say, I, I mean, I've been there to see the blessing and the that's fruit awesome. that's come out of it. And I'm just, I'm very proud of her for uh, stepping up and doing that and just being able to have that happen. I think it's really cool. But um, I don't know. I had something in mind, but I don't think it really fit the question or okay. the prompt that was in. But okay. I used to struggle really bad with like actual hatred in my heart. Like that was something that was there. And that was a big hurdle that I had to mm -hmm. overcome. I mean, like hard hurdle. Yeah. But I uh, I mean, I would sit there and I'd be like, oh, I love everybody. I love you. I love this person. I don't even know them. I love them. And actually what was going on inside was completely different because I knew I had hate in my heart for some people, but I mm -hmm. would just block it and I'd be like, nope because I was just so angry and it actually took, uh, it took a big toll on me. And, you know, there were things I was trying to do. I was trying to move up in ministry and other things, trying to help people out, trying to do things. But every single time I was, you know, falling short, but it was because I had hatred in my heart. And if you have hatred in your heart, you really can't have love. If you're able to hate someone, you can't have love for the rest of them. So 
you know, I'm sitting there and I've got this hatred brewing up in my heart and just like really coming together. And I'm, you know, wondering what's happening. Why am I not going anywhere? I want to be in these different places. Like I want to do your work, God. And he just goes, you hate people, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to spare names just because <clears throat> we're on a podcast, yeah. but <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, part of my story. I'm sure, you know, but, uh, it just, I, I was like, what do you mean I have hatred in my heart? And they're like, the people you say you love, you know, God's like, the people you say you love, you hate. And I was like, wow, okay, um, can I get some help? And, you know, I, I mean, I was convicted. I got guided through it. And right now I can say I don't have hatred in my heart for anybody anymore. And in that, I can just see the fruit because I'm actually able to come and help uh, touch people's lives. God's been using me to help touch other people's lives and, uh, and minister and mm-hmm. share Jesus with my coworkers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got, you know, a few different coworkers. I'm just sharing the gospel with every day. And, you know, hopefully it's touching their heart. You know, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know what's going on in their head, but I feel like it's touching them. So that's, that's awesome. But, you know, it just, it took me coming back and being like, you know, and of course I had the, which I'm going to bring this up really quick, but I had a, I had an internal war going on right when I found out, you know, like I had hatred in my heart because hearing that I was like, oh, that's a flaw. Mm. That's failure. Right away, I was like, that's a flaw. I've failed. And failure for me is a Mm -hmm. very tough subject. I mean, I'm still, I'm still working through that work in progress on that. I'm much better. But when I heard that I failed, I was like pride welled right up. Like Mm -hmm. I was, you know, walled off immediately, you know, because I just couldn't, I, it was a very long time. I could not handle failure for any reason. Couldn't do it. So being able to see that and, uh, step out of that because God convicted me and loved me through it and showed me where to go and showed me his love in turn so I could love. It was, uh, it's just been absolutely amazing being able to see the fruit and, uh, and being able to be blessed through that. So, you know, I really appreciate that story, Trevor, because, um, to admit that you struggled in that, in that place with relationships with people that you had, where it was almost like this put the veil over your eyes to say, no, 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 I I love you. And then when you get home, take that veil off and be like, I hate you. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. I have this unkept bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment in my heart. And it's led to this. Um, It almost uh, reminds me of what Dan had also said in his message. Um, He was talking about Jesus washing um, the disciples feet. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, Peter was the one that said, no, 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 you cannot wash my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus corrected him. And Dan also said, if you deny that your feet are even dirty, why would you accept anyone who's willing to wash them for you? And that story just reminds me of that, where like you had to humble yourself and realize that the thing that God was calling out was your feet were dirty. And then you had to also be willing to receive Jesus cleaning your feet for that. And I just appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of as believers, even in our Christian walk, no matter how young and or old you are in your spiritual walk, it's really easy to be tempted to fall into spiritual pride or different things like that where I should know better and I'm not going to call the things dirty that God is calling dirty. And I just appreciate your humbleness and your willingness to listen to him and walk through that. That's that's phenomenal. And living out the fruit that you've seen ever since then. So, um, 
Another question that I wanted to also kind of segue into is Dan also spoke about um, in order to connect with God, you need to connect with him and interact with him on a spiritual level, Um, not by trying to earn God's favor by following the Ten Commandments or doing all the right things or like earning your favor because favor's already been given to you through Jesus, but you need to interact with him. Can you share a time when maybe you tried to earn God's favor rather than connecting with him? And what was the fruit from that? Or whether fresh fruit, ripe fruit, or rotten fruit? <laughs> I've talked quite a bit. Do you want to go? <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know. I Just a little bit of my personality is I'm a big people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I'm So I'm stubborn and I'm a people pleaser. And <laughs> I think when I first like started really like diving into my relationship with God, I really struggled as seeing him as like humbling and loving and all of those things. And just, I saw him as this very strict father that I had to please constantly. Um, and like, I do have like not the greatest relationship with my parents and like, they have always been really tough on me. So I'm a twin and I've always been compared my entire life. So just like growing up, I always had that. I was always like a straight A student or tried to be. And I always tried to like, do well in soccer and all those kind of things because I so badly just wanted like the praise from my parents. And I think when, you know, I started like actually like deepening my relationship with God, I think I just really struggled with that just because like I constantly wanted to please him. And whenever I fell short or fell short to myself or just, you know, didn't think I was doing well in life in general, um, I often would just push God away because I'd be like, oh, he's not proud of me. Um, So there's no point in me even talking to him, reading my Bible or spending time with him, like there's no point at all because realistically he's angry at me. So I don't know. That's my, I forgot what the question was, but. (laughs) Um, Could you share a time when you need to earn, when you felt like you had to try to earn God's favor rather than just connecting and interacting with him on a spiritual level? So I feel like that answers that pretty yeah. well, actually. Yeah. And I can completely agree with that, too. I've definitely struggled with <laughs> very similar things where I just was uh, feeling as though I needed to earn, you know, whatever God, whatever I felt God needed from me. I just, you know, I and God doesn't need anything from us. So <laughs> I'm saying that as in, like, I felt that God needed me. I just wanted to clarify that. But um, <laughs> it was just uh, when I was younger, it, I, I honestly got kind of ritualistic about stuff. It was like I messed up today. I got really mad at someone. I said a bad word. I did, you know, stuff like that. And so right when I did that, I would be like, I need to read my Bible at least 15 minutes. And then I need to pray for at least five, you know, five minutes. And then I got to do that. And it turned into straight law And I mean, I'm just watching it. I watched it go from, I feel bad. I need to do something. I'll pray to him. I'll do that. To I need to pray for a specific amount of time. I need to read a certain amount of scripture. I need to do this. I need to do that. And it bore rotten fruit, very rotten fruit, because there was nothing that came from it. And if there was anything that came from it, it was just backtracking as far as I could in the relationship that I had already built up because I went from having legitimate relationship like god i'm sorry i need to do better to now i need to make it in my own way i need to take it and for myself grab hold of better instead of sitting back and letting god do what he does you know yeah saying i'm sorry repenting it was i need to make this happen Mm -hmm. you know so everything that came from it was just like ground zero i got to rebuild everything that yeah. just happened was kind of how it felt. So, yeah. 
you know, there was a, there was a time in my life when, um, I was, um, I was in my early twenties and I was married and I had this sense that things were going downhill very quickly and it was most likely going to eventually end. And I really tried to encourage him to go to church with me because that was like the only thing that I knew to be the answer for fixing whatever was wrong. And he didn't want to. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go because if I go to church and I start praying and I start reading my Bible and I start, you know, feeding the needy and giving all my belongings away, maybe that'll be the thing that will like save my marriage. And, um, I joined every stinking small group, women's group, kids group, you know, whatever group they had going on and, you know, went up to prayer every single Sunday, you know, did all the things. And a short while later, it ended up, the marriage dissolved and and we separated from each other. And I was so angry about that because I literally remember praying to God. And when I say praying, I use that term very loosely being like, I did everything right. I did everything I was supposed to. I prayed to you. I read your, I read my Bible. I did all these things. And, and this is how you repay me like that. Literally that was words that came out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of like, trying to earn favor. It's not something we can earn because it was something already freely given. Um, and obviously that had a very much rotten fruit. That was also part of that because part of that process also included me being very angry with him that even though I did all the right things, it didn't have an effect on the ultimate outcome of what we had experienced. But the good news with that though, is several years later, I was finally able to come to a place and humble myself and realize that, God's will was that it would have been restored, but it takes two people with two free wills to go ahead and agree with that and yeah. align themselves up with that. Um, another um, aspect, another question that I have is, um, Dan had talked about um, towards the end of his message um, that he grew up in an era in an, in an era where total depravity was actually preached, where all mankind is always bad all the time. Like the nature of us being born into this world, into a sinful world is inherently making us bad from head to toe. Um, And everything is corrupted. But Dan had said something interesting because he said, the fallen man is the one that's affected by the sin not the redeemed. And I'm just curious, um, what would you say to someone who may still believe that regardless if you're a believer or if you are, have not come to know Jesus or, or know God or intimately or believe in him, what would you say to that person um, that still believes mankind is evil and, and still corrupt and always will be regardless if we have Jesus in our heart or not? Um, so I actually grew up in a church that very much believes that like, um, man is awful, total depravity. They preach that all the time. And, um, I think that like, even that people in the church that do believe they are saved, they are very much still in that mindset of like, I'm not good enough. Jesus doesn't love me. I need to have a certain amount of like misery in order to actually like be saved. And I just like, I think it's a lot of pride, honestly, like you're not admitting and you're not embracing the joy that God has given you and you're not going out and you're not preaching to people and all this stuff because you're so much like in your mindset of, oh, 
life is terrible. I just need to sulk in my misery when that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't tell you that. And you're just allowing religion and people to tell you that. And that's not what God has for you. So I think for those people, I'd basically just be like, you need to wake up. And that's not, that's not biblical. I don't know. Yeah. The first time that her family ever brought up what they call, it's called TULIP, if you've heard of it. Um, it stands for a whole bunch of things. But the first part of it, the first letter, the T, is total depravity. And I'm going to be honest, first time I heard it, I was like, what that, what's that juju magumbo that's coming out of your mouth right now? I don't, I don't quite understand what you're saying. And, you know, it, it just, that made me laugh, the fact that they were, you know, they were saying all these things. And I was like, well, I know Jesus. I don't know TULIP. So, um, but... Yeah, when it's coming down to the total depravity, I think that a lot of people, uh, especially in a lot of denominations, because, you know, people are taking it and making it their truth. There's God's truth, then there's the flesh. And when we start taking God's truth and mixing it in with our own thing, you know, like Dan said, you know, they make the image of God that they want to see. When we start taking our things that we want and God's truth and mixing them together, we get the thing that I call our truth or your truth which in essence is just a lie. Mm -hmm. If it's not God's truth, it's not truth. Yeah. So, and seeing that, I'm seeing a lot of people come up with, you know, total depravity and these other things that we're just so terrible constantly. We're so bad that the only way to get saved is to understand just how awful and garbage you are. And once you're so miserable that everything is terrible and you hate everything, now you can have Jesus, you know, that, like that stuff just is, I, I, I don't, I can't fully understand it. You know, that that's never wrapped around. I've never been able to wrap around that in my mind. I mean, that's just, that's pure religion. There's no, you know, Jesus isn't in that, you know, God's not in that. It's, it's just pure religion. It's law, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate you um, saying that because really um, the Bible tells us that we are holy and set apart and we were created in God's in God's own image. So it's easy to say fallen man, the one that has not been redeemed by asking Jesus to come into your heart and being filled that way. That part of you absolutely is corrupt and is very fleshly and will only have sinful desires and will try to run and rebel away from God because mm -hmm. that's not what our flesh wants. Our flesh wants all the worldly <laughs> views and all the worldly things that this world has to offer us that is not anything that's righteous or holy. But because of Jesus, he's the one that set us apart. He's the one that said, I've made you and I've consecrated you and I have brought you back to me mm -hmm. um, in that regard, which kind of wants, I kind of want to shift gears and segue into the next, into the next topic, because I kind of, I feel like this kind of goes hand in hand with each other. Dana talked about there, there are some people who would say, well, my God would never send anyone to hell or my God would just go ahead and fix this. You know, maybe even giving people the option to, to fix their relationship with him after they've passed away and different things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Dan also had said something about God shows himself to be both just and merciful. If we are taking a look at the conversation about total depravity and we need to recognize how sinful we are and how corrupt we are and how fleshly we are all the time. And then 
at the same time say, well, God would never send somebody to hell. Um, how would you, um, how would you form that conversation to show that no, God is just and merciful and there is a wage of the sin that we have let rule in our hearts. So first thing I would say is, and uh, you know, this might step on some people's toes, but don't, don't log off just yet. Listen for a second. So God did not make hell for people. He did not make hell for us. He did make hell for Satan and the fallen angels. That's what it was made for. That's what it was designed for. It was prison for them. And then we sinned, you know, and sadly there is a choice whether or not we want to go there. And some people may not understand that that is exactly it, that when you're coming in and sinning and deciding that, oh, I want to make these bad decisions, all these poor decisions, I want to do all this nasty stuff, I want to be terrible to my neighbor, I want to hate other people, I don't want to show love, I want to go out and indulge in every bit of flesh the world has to offer. You know, that is your active choice to, in essence, go to prison forever. Except this prison doesn't have, you know, like, some rules to make sure you don't get hurt. This one's going to hurt you a lot, forever, eternity. doesn't stop. There's no, you get a life sentence, you know. It's an eternal sentence. And it is fully choice because we have free will. Because God gave us free will. You know, so since we have free will, we can decide whether or not we want to go with Jesus and, you know, have a party in heaven forever or if we want to be in prison forever. So. Yeah, I mean, I think too, like, a lot of the times when people are like, oh, why would God do this to me? Why would he do that? It's like, yes, I understand, like, you are dealing with the negatives, but there's also positives to everything. So why would God not show you grace and allow you to be saved and, like, die on the cross, send his son to die for you. Like you're just focusing on all the negatives. You're not focusing on the positives in those situations. Yeah. You know, I do want to say, um, to your point, um, Trevor, what you said is it's a choice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I was listening to what Dan was saying, I really was reminded, I, I saw this, this one message, this one time, um, on social media somewhere and it was a young gentleman and he's he said you know i've been thinking about this like question of why would god send somebody to hell and he said god doesn't actually send us there he doesn't send us there we were already on our way there mm -hmm. and we had a we have a choice we have a choice to make and so as much as we can choose like you were saying much as we could choose to either follow the way out of that path so we don't have to go there or we can choose to do all the other things and it all comes down to our choice and my next point is well if god could fix it why doesn't he do that um and dan made a really a, a really wonderful point he said that god will never be able to stop anybody from making a choice because he is powerless because of his great love for us. 
And that struck me as really interesting that the word powerless was used because of his love for us. Mm -hmm. Can you just, um, can you just explain to me like your, your perception or your view of how God would become powerless because of how much he loves us? So, yeah, I mean, love isn't controlling. That's the big thing, and that's why we have free will. I mean, if you're controlling somebody and you're, like, you know, grabbing onto them and locking them, let's just say, I'm going to use this as some uh, imagery, but you have a person who is a loved one, and you lock them in a room, and you keep them there all the time. They're not allowed out of the room, and you're constantly telling them, I love you so much but you're controlling them constantly. It's a weird image, but it's it, it works though. Yeah. But uh, you're controlling them constantly. You're keeping them there and you're not letting them do anything. There's no free will on their end. You're, you're holding them captive. There's no freedom. There is no love in that. Whether or not they say they love them, they don't love them. And that's, you know, commonplace. There's numerous things that we can look at nowadays, you know, in actual in the world that happens, but you can see that that's not love. It's, it's control. So God gives us free will because he loves us so much. And in the fact that we have free will, he no longer has the power to make our decisions for us. He can't just make us do things. He can't do that. So in that sense, he is powerless because he gave us that power to have the control in our lives. Now it is whether or not we want to give him back control, you know, accept Jesus into our hearts and make the decision to be saved. But yeah, I like that. What do you think, Serena? Honestly, you summed that up pretty well, but um, <laughs> I know Dan said, he said that he will not force you to love him. And like going along with what Trevor said, like if someone loves you too, and they're forcing you to do things, that's not love, that's control. Mm -hmm. And God's not going to force you to love him and do all these things, but he's going to love you. And you can choose, you know, the free will of like whether you want to do things according to his will, but also like um, painting the picture of like a loving father, like they're not going to tell their kids like, oh, don't go out and do these things like they might and just advise them like, hey, don't do this. But at the same time, like God's giving you the free will to go out and do those things and then realize, hey, these are wrong and you actually need me. And I think there's just a lot of things like he's just not forcing you, I guess, or locking you in a room. Mm -hmm. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and you know, one of the things um that we um that we can read in in Corinthians is where love is patient, love is kind. And one of the one of those is love is not self-seeking and self-serving mm -hmm. and controlling mm -hmm. and taking away that choice becomes self-seeking and self-serving and mm -hmm. because God is love and he is patient and kind and not self-seeking, then we know that God doesn't even have the ability by nature of what love actually is to be able to do that. Um, I want to switch gears just a second. And um, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, one of the things that uh, Dan had also said was he is our, he can be his own worst enemy sometimes. And mm -hmm. in that, I know there was one time I was actually talking to my husband and I told him I can turn my phone off. I can turn the TV off. I can tell the kids to go downstairs and go to bed. I can, um, you know, turn all these distractions off and all these things that have a, have a, 
influence and my thought process and in the way that I do things, the way I think and all these things. But the one thing I can't get away from is up here. Mm -hmm. I can't always shut the thoughts off that I have up here. Dan had a mention that who does he need to be saved from? And it's himself because this can sometimes have an effect. And I'm just wondering what would you say is maybe the the thing that influences maybe you or maybe culture as a as a in general of the thing that um could become make us our own worst enemy even more than what Satan is our enemy. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell you right now the only thing that has ever hindered me from my walk with God and you know getting saved in the first place is myself. That is the only thing that has ever stopped me. And that is the only thing that has ever caused me to backtrack. Satan has never been the sole and only cause. It's it itself, and you know, and uh, and understanding that is very key to being able to move past a very large portion of the things that you're going to struggle with. Because the devil is going to come after you, and that is something that you're going to have to be able to uh, to overcome and understand that he's not, you know, this big scary bear or lion or whatever you want to image him as. You know, he. He's just this tiny little thing that God's given us complete reign over. You know, like he he comes in and he tries to scare you, and you just say, "Nope, I got Jesus," and that and that's it. Situation done. You know, it doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult or anything, but right. you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And the hardest part is when I, for a long time, I was actually very confused as to what was myself and what was the devil. So I would be sitting there like. Everyone's angry at me. Well, did you do anything to make them angry? I punched one of them in the face, but the devil's coming after me. You know, so it was things like that. And it was just very hard to uh, figure out which one was. It doesn't seem like it should be hard, but it was. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm not smart. <laughs> but it was uh, there's things like that, that it was just like it, my, I was fully my own enemy more than anything else because I was stopping myself. Yeah, you know, I like what you said is that sometimes it's hard to determine, like, truthfully, and this is going to sound weird for me to even say this, but oftentimes Satan is the excuse for a lot of behavior that believers and even non-believers will use, like the devil made me do it or something like that, where, like the Bible says, take captive every thought. Mm -hmm. That's our responsibility. That's our action that we are that we are supposed to do. So like if we're not taking captive our thoughts and then we go and sin, Satan may have been like kind of whispering and kind of encouraging in that, but it started up here And the Bible also says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind is where your thoughts start and sin starts as a thought. Um, So I like that you had said that sometimes it's hard to even know, is this like, am I just under a spiritual attack and need to like be practicing some spiritual warfare or do I need to start looking inward at my own heart and my own actions that may have produced some of those different, like that I can't get away from. What do you think, Serena? Can you read the question to me one more time? (laughs) Yeah. So like, um, one of the things that Dan had mentioned was that we are, that he is sometimes his own worst enemy. Um, because it, while, well, Satan may end up nudging us into, you know, and having an influence over us to some degree. It's ultimately like we were the one we needed to be saved from ourselves more than we need to be saved from Satan because our flesh always wants to go in rebellion of God. 
So what would you say maybe to society in general that may have um, like the propensity to uh, to make us become our own worst enemy or would influence our mind to the point where we allow our flesh to take over? Okay. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the people pleasing, I think that's a huge issue for me personally mm-hmm. when I come to things like, I could get a short text from someone and I'll be like, oh, they don't like me anymore. And then I just spiral downhill and I literally shut down and I'll like go into a corner and cry. And I'm like, no one likes me. This is great. And I think that's a way that Satan usually gets into my head a lot, honestly. And then, you know, I at the end of the day, it's easy to just be like, oh, well, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about me. It only matters what God thinks about me. But at the same time, like, I think society has created this huge thing of like, everyone needs to like you. And like, with Instagram and all that stuff and you're like putting your body there and you're putting all these images of you and you're like, Oh great. No one commented on this and told me I looked pretty. And then you just go into this whole spiral of thinking everyone's against you. Um, and I know I struggle with that a lot. Um, but it's just, I don't know at the end of the day, it's true. Like the only person that we have to really please is God and not like in a way of like, Oh, I need to do all these things and read my Bible for 15 minutes a day just to please God. Like he's already pleased with us, but we should only care about what he thinks of us. And realistically, like it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And I think How according likes to you get on, the, on right, the post or comments or if your friend responds to your text or not, like it really doesn't matter. Um, but I think in society, that's something that is portrayed as something mattering mattering (laughs) something that matters the most i don't know yeah i i completely agree with you that social media can sometimes have a huge impact on like making us insecure about every area of our life whether it be how we look how we dress how we talk where we went to school where we work at how many friends we have because (laughs) who literally has 1500 friends in real life, right? And like just no being in not only that, but also th- being able to compare what you see somebody's best life on social media being portrayed versus what your real life experience is. And like, wow, this person is going on all these vacations and is like doing all these things, but you don't know the backstory or you don't know behind the scenes what's actually going on. Right. right. Um, so uh, is there any other uh, thoughts or opinions that you guys had of Dan's um, message that he gave on Sunday that maybe we haven't covered? I mean, I kind of want to go back to just like being afraid to admit that we need a savior and I want to share a little story. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so this past week I was hanging out at Trevor's and he was taking forever doing something. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to leave because my parents are gone and I'm taking care of my dog. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to leave and I'm just going to go take care of the dog by myself. And I walk into the garage and it's really dark. And I'm like, oh, man, this is really freaky. And I turn on my flashlight and I unlock the door and I turn around and there was just a possum just sitting there hissing at me. And I was like, oh, I regret not going with. OK, that <laughs> we'll say I do regret not going with. I would have fought that possum off. So, um, but I was just sitting there and I was like, oh, this is so freaky. Like, I don't know what to do. And I'm not. I'm not scared of like possums or anything like that. But like in this moment, I was just like, I don't want to get bit. I don't want to get rabies. Like this is terrifying. It smelled the fear. Yeah. Um, And so it was in front of me and I grabbed a long stick behind me and I like smacked the garage door opener trying to get it open. Because in my mind, I was like, I should call Trevor. I should really get him here to come help me. And I was like, 
know the second I call him, he's going to be like, I told you not to leave me. But in reality, he was I taking. I did say not to leave. <laughs> I did say. In reality, he was taking forever. So I was like, I'm just going to go do it by myself. Um, and thinking that I would open the garage door and it would, you know, run out. It ran towards me. And I was like, oh, this is how it ends. And I kicked it thinking like, oh, this possum's going to die or like play fake dead. And it didn't. And I was like, oh, this is absolutely terrifying. And I get in my car after because it hit in our garage. And I was like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm just going to leave. So I got in my car to head back to his house. And I was driving over to his house. And I was like, man, I'm so mad at Trevor. Like, I'm so mad that he was taking forever doing whatever task he had to do. And I'm so angry because he's the reason I almost got bit by a pop. <laughs> like, and I got back to his house and he was like, you're mad at me. And I was like, no, I'm not. It's fine. I'm not mad at you. Oh, she was mad at me. <laughs> and then the next day I was listening to this and I was like, oh, you know what? Like, this is a good way for me to just like lean into like what Dan is saying and lean in what to God's saying to me. And I was like, wow, like how often do I normally do that where I'm just so stubborn and I don't want help at all. And then you end up in these like terrifying situations. And it's just like, in reality, you know, could ask for help to begin with. Um, but we never really want to ask for help from God. So, I mean, and then we get angry at him when things go wrong. So it's kind of just, I don't know. That was my fun story. And I was like, there's just so many things in this, like me getting mad at Trevor. And in reality, like I often get mad at God too. So. I did apologize for not being there for the possum attack. So that's just, it's a lighthearted conversation too. There's a lot of things, to, lessons to learn from it, but I don't know. Well, I do, you know, I love that you can take a, um, in hindsight, humorous story. Um, because I would imagine at the time I, I would have probably screamed like a two year old child and probably would have, <laughs> burnt the house down i mean that's just like that's just my i'm i have no no time um but i do appreciate like the parallels of you know like walking through all the emotions that you had and like and then turning and being like well i decided that i was going to go ahead and leave even though i was advised not to and then i suffered the consequences because of that but you know the really cool thing is about that story is that trevor was still there mm -hmm. when you came back very similar to how God is because sometimes like our, our thing that we want to do is we want to rebel. Like that's our flesh. That is nothing righteous. That is nothing holy. We just want to rebel. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was so much so that not that he was ever going to stop us from rebelling, but that he was going to be with us when we did. And he was going to be with us when we came back. And that's just that amazing promise and that amazing love that we already talked about. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Of course. There's one thing I just want to go back to when we were, he was talking about how, you know, Jesus was washing the disciples feet and Peter goes, no, 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 no. I mean, I just, I think that that is very good because I feel there's, there's two parts to that, that we need to view as Christians. And that's one being able to accept and be humble and allowing your feet to be washed, humbling yourself to that. And two, you need to be able to have the servant heart to wash each other's feet. You know, so I just think that uh, in, to, in today's society, it is not valued to have a servant heart anymore. Mm -hmm. And two, it's already hard enough to be humble 
it's very hard to be humble, but it's very important for us to, uh, to have that servant heart for each other and to be giving and loving towards each other. And I just, that, that really sat with me and I wanted to say it earlier, but we're going back to it now. So let's do yeah. it. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, speaking of that, I just wondered, um, there was a time, um, man, probably five or six years ago that there was a, um, I was meeting with a women's group, um, over at a friend's house and the, this woman had come up to me, we were all done doing our Bible study, but she came up and said, I need to wash your feet. And it is uh, the middle of like the fall and I've got socks on, I've got my Ugg boots on and all this stuff. And like, seriously, there's this thing where you like, I'm going to take my shoes and socks off and you're going to wash my feet. Like, can I go wash my feet first and make it nice and pleasant for you before you do that? And it was, and she said, no, just, just give me the water and, and some soap and I'll wash your feet for you. And I just feel like I have to. And in that moment, it was this, this, it was a humbling moment for me because a, it's a vulnerable moment for both, right? The vulner, the vulnerability of washing somebody's feet that are dirty is that your hands are going to end up being the thing that also gets dirty. And also on the receiving end of that is that that person has to be willing to allow you to take the dirt that's on their feet and remove it for, remove it from them. And, um, it's just this weird, it was this weird, awkward, uncomfortable, but you know what? I let her do it. And at the end, she like massaged my feet and it was amazing. Um, but like at the end, it was, there was this lightness that I felt afterwards. And maybe I don't understand the gravity of why she was called to do that. But I just know that like leaving that situation, there was like this such a relief and such mm-hmm. a comfort that I felt. And I'm just wondering, has there ever been a time where maybe, you know, um, somebody had offered help to you and, you know, maybe it was, you know, financially, or maybe it was for an emotional thing, or maybe it was for, you know, a physical thing that you needed to do to move, you know, to move from an apartment to a house or something like that, that actually it, you ended up saying yes, yes to, but you felt uncomfortable in that moment of saying yes and receiving. I can give you a million no stories, but it's going to take me a minute to think of a yes story that made me uncomfortable. Oh, oh man. I oh. was going to say the same thing. I mean, being really stubborn, I usually say no to everything. So mm-hmm. when I do say yes, it's like very rare, I feel like. So I just. Yeah. We which have is something in common. Yeah. So I think that's something we also, you know, need to work on getting married. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like. Oh, okay, so I guess I'm really bad at receiving gifts. Yeah. I love giving gifts, but mm-hmm. I'm terrible at receiving them. And I think that, um, you know, going into dating him, he got me a lot of gifts because he also loves to give gifts, but also I do just really like giving gifts. <laughs> also, just getting gifts from my friends. And I think a lot of the times like the gifts that they're giving you are things that are going to help you in the long term. And realistically, when I get them, I I'm very bad at showing emotions. I like when Trevor proposed to me, I was like, I knew it. Yeah. She screamed that in my face. I'm not even kidding. I'm down on one knee and I have the ring out and she just, I knew it. And I was like, 
is that a yes? What? I'm confused here, okay? And I actually, I said, like, what? what's your answer? And she goes, yes. And I said, okay, give me your left hand, because I'm really bad with rights and lefts. So I had to ask for her left hand. Yeah, and then, I mean, he put the ring on my finger, and automatically I was like, this is not what I wanted. Um, And then realistically, I mean, like, I'm the type of person, too, where it takes a while to grow on me. And I think he knew me better than I knew myself because what he would have gotten me, I wouldn't have liked. And now the ring that I have now, I love. Um, but <laughs> but same thing with friends. Whenever friends give me gifts, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to use this. I don't want this. And then, you know, realistically down the road, it's nice to receive that help. And also, like, that's people showing you that they care for you and they love you. So yeah. it's good to just be like, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's It's interesting that sometimes we we feel empowered when it comes to giving generously Mm -hmm. but we feel to some degree almost like at least in my case when that woman wanted to wash my feet almost ashamed of receiving that gift and so i feel like um one of the things um with peter with jesus wanting to wash peter's feet is i'm wondering how much shame was part of that because mm-hmm. this is the Lord of the earth. This, the, the King of the world is getting down on his hands and his knees and he's washing the dirt from your feet. And there's almost like this sense of, um, I'm not even worthy, uh, to receive any of this. And as I was thinking about the story and even as you were talking is, um, there's a sense that as a believer, our worth, the way that we value our worth to God, to our family, to our friends, to this earth has such an immense um, threat to that being influenced and challenged in certain ways that can change our perspective of how we see ourselves and then think that God also sees ourselves, sees us the way that we see us. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Do you guys have anything, any last thoughts? I, I'll, I'll go back really quick because I, yeah. I thought of a story. Yeah, go ahead. I thought of a yes Let one. me hear your story. So yeah. most everybody who's listening to this should know who Chris Shire is, but <laughs> I'm part of his extended, you know, I'm part of his yeah. family. They they adopted me in and, you know, I, I'm at their family gatherings. I text them, talk to them. We both are part of the family. And the first time I ever met Chris and we all went out uh, to eat as a family, and I was at the end of the table and I'm just sitting there and we get all of our food. We eat. I ended up ordering something extra and it's time for the bill to come around. And then I'm waiting and looking, you know, where is it at? And Chris has it. And I was like, uh, why on earth is he paying for me right now? And I was like, no, you don't have to pay for me. And he goes, no, 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 no. You, you know, I'll, I'll pay for you. It's okay. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, no, I want to pay for myself. I ordered extra things. And he's like, no, it's okay. I'll pay. And I'll tell you what, that probably made me so, that made me more uncomfortable than most other things in my life. Because just knowing that I had, it was like a appetizer that was like five bucks. But to me, that was the world. Mm-hmm. That that was that, that extra $5 on top of my meal. And I was like, mm, nope. Can't do it. Can't do it. I actually kind of fought him on it for a second, you know, and this was a long time ago, but 
it, it ended up working too. You know, he paid for it and it took a while for me to get used to it, but I just felt so weird because I, I don't know why. And then that turned into something different where I expected everyone to buy my meals for me, but <laughs> that's different. So I think a lot of the times though, like just within society too, I think we, it's uncomfortable to have people pay things for you because oh, yeah. it's seen like you don't want people to think that you're like poor, that you can't afford charity things case. yourself or a charity case or yeah. a burden in any sort of way. Because even on our first day, I tried to pay. Yes, she did. That I, didn't happen. <laughs> I'll say one thing right now. I did not let that happen. If any of you know me, I would die before that happened. But I'm just saying, like, in reality, though, like, it's uncomfortable for people to pay things for you. It's uncomfortable for people to give gifts to you and just, like, show you they care. Because in reality, like, you don't want to be a burden to someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird how society has that effect on, on, on anybody of, you know, feeling, like I said, unworthy of anything good that somebody is trying to give to you, let alone the savior of the world asking to wash your feet or telling you if you don't let me do this, you're not going to partner with me yeah. in my mission for this. Like Peter in that moment couldn't understand how washing his feet was going to matter in four days time or, you yeah. know, five days time or, you know, after Jesus ascended back into heaven, like what that washing of that feet actually did um, yeah, in that moment yeah. and how allowing him to do that and allowing him to say, I'm going to let me take the dirt from your feet and remove it for you so you can walk in that freedom that I have called you to. Um, So, all right. Well, um, I just wanted to um, give an opportunity. Do either one of you wish to pray for our audience tonight that have listened to this podcast? Do you want to, honey? No. No. Okay. Well, then I guess I will. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Father, we just thank you right now that we can, uh, we can come together and enjoy our time here and that we can, uh, just do this podcast and talk about what what Dan uh, what Dan preached about on Sunday, and we just thank you that we can go deeper into this uh, this word that he gave, and we can expand on it. And we just thank you for all that you do. I just thank you for all the listeners that are out there right now that they're just blessed, and that everything that was said here was guided, and that it can just touch their hearts and help them go and in and through their day and through their week. And we just thank you that. You know, we were able to be joyful and cheerful through this, and we hope that we bring, you know, and brought other people joy through this and that they can just uh, experience what it's like and uh, be happy and be joyful through you. So we just thank you, Lord, and we just ask you to please just have your hand in their lives and uh, bless them and guide them through all that they have. We thank you for all that you do, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight, guys. Uh, Before we go, don't forget to go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well. Uh, Don't forget to uh, share to your social media profiles and also go ahead and um, give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast provider. You guys have a great night and we look forward to connecting with you again soon. Bye.